Hey, everybody. Welcome to an unexpected podcast. Uh, with me today are Rob, who we have not seen in an age, and also Mick, who uh, we have uh, not seen. Well, not, we, we've seen him sporadically, but he is off doing his undercover work again. Um, and we're going to be joined by Devin, I think, soon. The reason this is probably going to be a short podcast. We're not actually we may or may not do a list review, depending on time available. Um, or or we may who knows it'll all come out in the editing um but uh we we wanted to squeeze this in because new FAQs have just come out and there are some significant um things in there that require talking about before Articon so we want to make sure episode down got it out before everybody flaps off to uh to Articon to try their new list may or may not have been neutered by this new FAQ. Um, but first, we need to talk about the really important um, Lord of the Rings SBG news. And that's to get everybody's opinion on the most important question of the day. Uh, people who use dice with a picture on one side, should they be ostracized from the mm -hmm. SBG community? Or should they first be beaten and then ostracized from the SBG community? Mick, what are your what are your thoughts on that? So, just so we're clear, I think, first of all, people shouldn't use dice with sides. All of the all of the dice should be entirely round. This way, this way, you will never end up having a side that you have to take. And so, interesting I would, perspective. I, would, I wouldn't necessarily you. want to take a side in in this question. Mm -hmm. All right, Rob. Yeah. What what's your opinion on this? No, I'm a I'm a big proponent of the symbol on the one. Um, I think it's the only way that you can really use uh, yeah. six sided dice with symbols. But preferably in Lord of the Rings, I like to take my dice with symbols on the one, but have them be d20s. So that's how I like to play. Uh, anybody enough. who does anything different, beaten and ostracized, absolutely no question. <laughs> what do you think about symbols on on three? Well, I mean, why stop there? Why not have the symbol on a different dice um, on a different number every time? Just let your opponent guess. Hmm. Right? I mean, isn't the th three pips a symbol anyway? Um, but I mean, they're technically all symbols. Aren't they, though? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just as far as my thoughts go, I actually, I, I have no problem at all with folks who use symbols on sixes i have innumerable dice with symbols on sixes and i use them all the time um i do sometimes get a little fussed uh with by people who put symbols on ones but i get used to it um however i have on more than one occasion bumped into somebody who's attempting to use dice that some dice had symbols on ones and some dice had symbols on sixes and those people for the record should be taken out in shock um no, that's too quick. Thrown out a window, very high window. <laughs> also, this this here is a round dice, and it has oh. a symbol symbol on the six written by me is GBHL. There you go. If yeah. you want to go bowling, you know, just throw that across the table and see where it hell ends. There's there's actually some sort of a heavy thing inside. So as you roll it, it tends to land on a on somewhat of a side. Yeah, I don't think I can take a position on that, Mick. Yeah, I remember until fairly recently, I mean, when they uh, GW released the Minas Tirith dice that had the proper symbol on a six, but the only ones you could get before officially had the symbol on the one. And so yeah, I the, got the them for collector's purposes, ones, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would always, when I would play with them and it was, you know, the one game I used them, 
I would throw it and see the tree and get really excited and then realize, oh no, that is actually, that is totally backwards and I hate these dice and I want to jump out a window. Well, now you can use both at the same time. And if you play me, be shot. (laughs) All right. So that being said, and that being resolved, um, I think we can uh, jump into the FAQ. So I'm going to share my screen and put this stuff up and we'll, Go through this stuff one at a time um, and uh, see what they say. So, here we have the FAQs. Can everybody see the FAQs? Yes. Yes. All right. Um, So, this has been one of the more impactful FAQs we've gotten in a long while. <laughs> this has it been has. Like the, the biggest FAQ in like the uh, last 20 yeah. years. What, what, it, what it lacks in volume, it has uh, made up in significance. I mean, this is kind of what everything that you want out of an FAQ. Few things, but all of them addressing real problems uh, yeah. comprehensively, well, right? Except, except this very first except one. Except this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, question, if Legolas uses his deadly shot special rule to hit any target on a two plus and then rolls a one, can he use a point of might to turn the one into a two and therefore a hit? Answer, yes. Well, glad that one's been resolved. Well, depending on what kind of dice did he use, was the symbol on a one or was the symbol yeah. on a six? Can he turn uh, can, that, can... that tree of Minas Tirith yeah. into, a, into a two? Exactly. All right. That, was, that uh, was actually a question that people did ask a few times on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question. Is the Great Beast of Gorgoroth a battlefield target or a siege target? As it has the answer, as it has the monster keyword and is not mentioned in the list of siege targets, it is a battlefield target. Its howda is also a battlefield target. Um, all clarification on battlefield and siege targets is useful and welcome because um, there is a non-exhaustive list of what is in each category in the book. And there are huge and there are enormous differences in the treatment of the two when you shoot at them with a siege weapon. And therefore there are huge knockdown drag out brawls over what fits in which category. So mm-hmm. at least one of those things has been taken off of the uh taken off of the list of things to fight about. Now we can still fight about whether a battlefield target. Uh, if you're shooting at a battlefield target, you can scatter onto a door because it's listed as a battlefield target in the rulebook. I do love that apparently um, it operates on a bell curve where you've got Great Beast, Mamek, and then Smaug, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, which one of these is the siege target? <laughs> yes, siree. And then, you know, Balrog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The tiny, tiny little Balrog looking up, looking up enviously at Smaug. Let's see here. Okay, so I think, let's see, do we have anything new in the errata in this? No, No, we don't. No, done. pretty quick one. Yeah, okay, so. uh, Defense of the North. We have a few here. Mm, I believe you stopped sharing. Oh, yes. Let me solve that problem. Like a t-shirt, bro. Ah, thank you. But is it a one or a six? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's actually six t-shirts? 
I'd have to yeah. turn around and see how many pips are on my back. On the other side. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So uh, the next one. Question. What exactly can Grimbjorn, and as a result, Bjornings, be allied with outside of the Bjornings Legendary Legion? Answer. Treat Grimbjorn in the same manner as all other wonders of the wild. As a result, Grimbjorn and his own list of what he can ally with provided... Uh, pride in his profile, Bjornings can then be included in Grimbjorn's warband as normal. Bjornings can then, oh, sorry, I, I, I didn't see a period there. Bjornings can then be included in Grimbjorn's warband as normal. So you can ally Grimbjorn as a wanderer of the wild and he can take some Bjornings in his warband. So is the, is the clarification here that he can take Bjornings with him when allied? Because I didn't think the him being a wanderer in the wild was a, uh, was a point of contention, isn't that right in the book? Yeah, no, it's it's the last sentence. Bjornings can then be included in Got Grimbjorn's mm-hmm. warband as normal. Right. I think there was some discussion over that. Okay, let's start on the left here. If a magical power such as a sorceress blast or a tremor hits the dragon emperor of Rune whilst riding his royal palaquin, how many hits will the royal palaquin take? One tree of Minas Tirith. The royal palaquin is essentially a single mount with six tree of Minas Tirith wounds, and should be treated as such. When the Dragon Emperor dismounts, you simply place the Royal Palaquin on a num- with a number of Black Dragons equal to his remaining wounds. All right. Oh. So, yeah, next question. Simple if the dra- enough. Yeah, if the Dragon... And I think that's the way that's the way we played it anyway. Yeah, I if think dra- so. If the Dragon Emperor of Rune dismounts either normally or as part of his heroic combat, can the Black Dragons that replace the Royal Palaquin move themselves during that move or heroic combat the answer is no. Um, this is not how I played it, um, but okay. Uh, I guess that's, an, that's an interesting thing. So would that then apply to uh, to something like Gothmog riding a warg? If he if he dismounted, then Gothmog would still be able to 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 keep moving whilst the warg would just stay there. Yeah, I, I think it would. Um, you know, I, you, I have to do say. Do you mean do you mean Azog or? As I like all, all Gothmog, yeah. Like anybody I on any, a warg. I mean, any I guess anybody on a warg could theoretically stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if the warg passes. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I haven't gone and like chased down this rule and seen if you know once you dismount the the mount doesn't move anymore. But maybe mm-hmm. that's the the case. Um, this is not how I played it with the Dragon Emperor of Rune. I just you know dismounted the six and I moved them. But I am I have been corrected. So. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, next one. When Rasgush's war leader of the North special rule references orc captains, is that only the orc captain's profile, or the or any profile that includes the words orc captain, such as Zagdush orc captain, Moranin orc captain, or Gorbag orc captain? The answer is only the orc captain profile. Nice try, folks. Uh, um, but uh, but no. Um. Uh, this is uh, next question. In the Assault on Lothlorien Legendary Legion, can Drozag take fell wargs in his warband even though they are not listed as part of the Legendary Legion? Answer no. Uh, Wait, this, in, ne- this, this next one is interesting. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think, I think this one is, is a clarification. In the Assault on Lothlorien Legendary Legion, do supporting models gain the plus one bonus to wound for the Ruthless Savantry special rule? The answer is no. Yeah, there was um, there was a bit of um, uh, threads about that on one of the uh, Facebook pages recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, uh, that's good. It's clarified. 
Yeah, I'm glad it's clarified. I mean, I had that firmly in my head as that's what it was. I can't really remember why. I think if we went back and listened yeah, to Yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it, it was because uh, the model was still outnumbered. So the, the, spirit, the spirit supporters still treated the model as being outnumbered. Yeah. So you could sort of read it both ways. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Here so are some of have, the really big ones. Yes. yes. Now we, and, and then came the errata. <laughs> um, the Bjornings. Great resilience. Changed the second sentence to read. On a natural six, the wound is ignored, just as if a point of fate had been spent. So the uh, so Bjorn and Grimbjorn and Bear Form are now slightly less unkillable. Mm-hmm. Um, because their five up save has been changed to a six up save. I I have to say, okay, fine. I mean, they were they were pretty unkillable with this, but the list had enough other problems given the fact that it just had the two heroes and mm. a bunch of guys that I didn't really consider this to, you know, I was happy to have two unkillable bears. But also it stays on a natural six, so you can't mite to into it. You can't mite to it, yeah. That's interesting. But a good point. Um, all right. Now do we um it, do we think that this is going to substantially um hurt the list? Um like, I don't think no, it substantially no, hurts so. the list. Yeah. Because I don't think this changes all that much um in terms of how it's gonna perform. Um yeah. you yeah. you either get eaten by the uh, uh, by the bears or you or you manage to to quickly yeah. enough kill everything else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it, it, maybe against siege engines, this is a little bit more uh, punishing for them. But yeah. I mean, I mean as... the other the other situation is when they're massively outnumbered, right? And there's a whole bunch of wounds coming in. They're only sloughing off one sixth of them instead of one third of them. But I mean, this is a slight nerf to a list that wasn't particularly competitive to begin with. So this gets a shrug for me. I mean, I think I think bears have been plenty competitive, uh, depending on what points you're playing. But it definitely gets a shrug from me in terms of, I think this probably softens them a little bit, but doesn't. You know, yeah. I don't think it changes the power level in any meaningful way. No, I think you're right. I mean, they they have won. I mean, they win games, but in my experience, at least, they seldom win tournaments because it's too easy to kill everything else in the list and kind of bait the bears around. But yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, yeah. I remember last year on like top tables of article and there was, there was always like a few bears in like the top 12 tables or something like that, but like they, they, they never made it to them. So, right. I think, I think there was like one in top 10 in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I played against this list a whole bunch of times. I don't think I've ever lost to it you know, precisely because of that problem. Although I, I don't think I've played like you know contest of champions or something like that where, um, <laughs> where I'd have a real problem. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I also think this is a very skill based list anyway, right? And the people who are doing well with it were just good players who knew how to get the most out of it, and yeah. people who didn't know how to play with it were not getting results. So oh, yeah, it's actually didn't good didn't players I... will still do well even with the with the slight nerf to the um to the fate safe. Yeah, didn't Ed Ball win the, win the last GT with Bears as good army and Ring Race as a bad army? I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, last Nova, I remember there were plenty of Bears, and it was the the standard: the good player with the Bears was going to be in the top ten anyway, and the bad player with the Bears was going to be mid tables anyway, right? So, right. 
Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it, de- it depends a lot on your matchup and your scenario if you're playing mm-hmm. the Bears. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, the, the huge change, Assault on Florian and the following first bullet, bullet point to additional rules, Musger must always be the Army's leader. That's fine. He often was anyway. Yeah, that's true. I I found that a lot of people had him as their leader because they didn't even realize that wasn't the rule. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they didn't read it carefully and assumed he had to be the leader, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I I will always. I mean, I can't do it anymore, but I will always have been on team Ashrak as your leader. Um, yeah. Aha! You want that victory point? Go paralyze yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, the next uh, one, the next change, the biggest change. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, we'll stop tapping. We'll stop dancing around the bush. Um, add the following bullet point to additional rules: the legendary legion may not include more goblin models than orc models. So, no more sixty goblin, four orc uh, mm-hmm. lists, um, which I think causes two problems. Right? I mean, you you end up with half your army being orcs. And then you got to spend a bunch more points on things like orc captains in order mm-hmm. to get slots to put orcs in. Yeah. Thoughts on this? Well, so first of all, there was a, a, a someone posted a solution to it on GBHL site the other day okay. with, something, with something like 15 orcs and then five goblins and then 10 warg marauders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's a solution, but it's a <laughs> certainly it's a an innovation. Yeah. <laughs> and the question yeah. was, is that is that 50 50 or is that more uh, goblins? I, I I I think I think that's legal the way this is worded, right? Because that is a marauder is one goblin keyword model. Yeah, yes. but a marauder no, says are, it consists goblins. of three goblins and a oh, yeah, three goblins, yeah. Yeah, but so... it's still it's still a model. Right, so it's still a goblin model, yeah. When you when yeah. you start the game, <laughs> right? Um, and I, I, you know, frankly, I, I'm not, I'm not particular fu- particularly fussed by that. So, <laughs> you know, at, solutions. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a solution. So, I mean, I mean, so the orcs are a more expensive and b more vulnerable to shooting. Um, you know, perhaps even deadly vulnerable to shooting. Um, so I I have not tried to put together a list with his change yet. Have either of you tried to do that and seen what it looks like? Yeah, I have actually. Um, and and I was just kind of playing around to see how that would look in practice. And what it basically came down to is you had Musger with a full war band, including a banner, um, an orc captain, I put them on a warg, but you could not do that with a full war band. And then um, the the two named goblin shamans and an unnamed goblin shaman with, I think it was like four spiders, two bats, two wargs, and then some like 20 goblin bowmen and like six goblin spearmen or something like that. So it was smaller numbers and um, definitely more balanced, but still had a ton of goblin bowmen in it. Um, to get around it, I ended up seeing that I had to use more of the beasties than the orcs, more so, mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. bridge the gap, right? So once you, once you got your musger and your orc captain to get a critical mass of orcs, and then filled up goblins to match, there's usually some points left over. Well, I'm talking at higher points, obviously, 
um, and to bridge the gap um, instead of trying to screw in more goblins because you obviously cut the characters as well, right? Um, I just ended up going with more beasts that kind of mm. filled it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you just can't really have any, any prowlers then. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, you you get a lot less prowlers if yeah. you go that route, or you get a lot less bowmen. It's really kind of depending yeah. on which way you want to take it. See, I wish they had made this change about six months ago bef before I bought my 24 prowlers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I only have like 15 of them, but uh, that even seems too much now. <laughs> Wait, you yeah. can imagine the conversations at, at GW headquarters. All right, we're sold out of prowlers. Make the change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we finally Mission got that warehouse cleared out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but to be fair, like even even after playing the army and and after getting all those brothers, like I found the army incredibly boring in a way. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's like oh well, it's a good change. Yeah, it's a good change. Um, I love I love the change. Um, I think that it's a lot more fun to play against and probably um <laughs> with, but um. Yeah, I think it's a good change. It certainly, it certainly kills the army as far as top dog in the meta kind of thing. Uh, in my yeah. opinion, yeah, it cuts sure. it down to a pretty upper mid tables kind of army at this point. But um, but it's a lot more fun. It looks a lot cooler, and it's a lot more kind of you have a lot more variety in it now, which I I think it accomplishes what it set out to accomplish. Um, yeah, that's right. We get more orcs, which you know we've never seen any place else in the list. Well, orcs um, and like beasts, so it looks a little more of a mix rather than just the goblin army with you know, musket. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, out of curiosity, how many points and how many models ended up in the list that you drafted with? Rob? I, I think I ended up doing an eight hundred point list just because again I was tapping into the army builder to see where it got, and it was. I mean, it was still it still had to be what like over fifty models all okay. told. All right. It was still it was still you know it wasn't astronomical the way you could do before, but it was still a good amount of bodies. Yeah. Well, so so that'll be interesting. Um, you know, my fear when I read this because I I I hadn't put together a list, so I wasn't sure how the numbers came out. My fear when I read this was that no one would ever take it again, which I thought was a shame because it is you know kind of an interest. It, it it's a very different list than most of the other lists that you you face. But it, it sounds like if those are the numbers you can kind of put together, that that's, you know, like like you said, it's not going to be a world beater, but it's it's another one of these kind of curiosity lists that you'll see every once in a while. And well, and it still uh, has the tricks, right? It still has yeah. your crazy invisible spiders and your bats and your good goblin bowmen and all of it. So right now, now that said, I I haven't tried to build it for like a six fifty point level, which seems to be the the new number for all of the top tournaments. So I don't know what it looks like at that level, but certainly right. at eight hundred, um, it still you know functions. Yeah, because I mean, I yeah. just I just pulled out a calculator and and like if you if you if you were to take Musger with an orc captain, with the two uh, named goblin shamans, you still get like twenty five orcs, uh, twelve goblins with bows. Uh, ten prowlers, three spiders, two bats, and that's six six five. Yeah, so that's not so, so bad. So it's not yeah. it's not it's it's not like massively changed. Mm -hmm. It just okay. instead of instead of having previously having only had like maybe maybe ten orcs and a goblin captain, yeah. you now have like twenty five orcs. You have less prowlers, and you have to take an orc captain. But yeah. I think the the big deal there is because you have less orc, um, or sorry, um, goblin bowmen and less prowlers. You're you're abusing that nighttime rule less, yes. which which That's is great, definitely. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also your your orcs get hit harder yeah. by your opponents shooting. 
Yeah, I was going to say we'll we'll see what tune you're seeing, Mick, when you take that army against an army of corsairs. Oh yeah, or even like Rangers <laughs> of Athelion or something. Yeah. Right? Why it's did just... we attack at night? What were we thinking? <laughs> Should have brought Harry Goatleaf. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, ally in Harry Goatleaf into your <laughs> into your assault on Love Lorian list. <laughs> Turn on the lights. <laughs> all right uh okay so i'm pretty sure that's it for yeah that is okay yeah. but uh, i mean arguably that is one of like the two maybe three biggest changes in the faq and um certainly is going to have a competitive impact absolutely yeah, yeah we're gonna, that's going to be a change okay so ah oh, so come here's to warren rohan one. yeah right. there's <laughs> the second one yeah and this is this is also in the errata Page 95, Assault on Elm's Deep, Break the Walls. Change the first sentence to read, Isengard Ballistae from this army list may re-roll results of one to hit and scatter during the shoot phase. So we've gone from re-rolling everything to re-rolling ones, um, which is, this Poison. is another kind of game changer for this, mm -hmm. this list. That's massive. Um, and I, I, I shed no tears over this. <laughs> this was this was a list that was very little fun to play and no fun to play against. Um, uh, I shed a great many tears, just all of joy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I um, I played yeah, against this this list um, at a tournament I went to, like a local event last weekend or two weeks ago or whatever. Um, and I played against it with three ballistas. It was at 650. It was Articon practice in the hands of a really good player. And the really good player didn't even particularly roll part very well with his ballistas. And it still felt like there's just nothing I can mm -hmm. do to win this game. Like I, we played, we did um to the death. So I was like, all right, well, at best I can get a draw here if he just happens to not kill enough of me with shooting. Um, but that's pretty much all I can play for here. And chances are I'm going to take the minor loss because he'll break me and I'll hide my banner and that's it, right? And yeah. that's exactly what happened. So I don't think I had any fun. I don't think he had any fun. I mean, we had fun like bantering or whatever, but the game itself was basically formulaic and mm -hmm. it was not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, And that's that's a pretty standard experience against and with this army pre this FAQ. And, and I'm really curious to see how and whether this army continues to show up um and I, I saw somebody was was putting a list around the internet that i think it was post errata that was this legendary legion with no ballistas and and three uh three bombs um <laughs> which uh i thought was pretty abusing <laughs> actually, actually i saw someone put four ballistas instead Mm -hmm. because because they figured well if, if we're not going to be able to read all two ballistas <laughs> <just play forward. laughs> we're going to double down more ballistas <laughs> yeah i don't I, I don't know maybe that's the answer who knows um but i mean uh, i hated this army from the minute it uh it came out and uh through every kind of half a nerf that's it's received since then and now finally i can you know sleep at night yeah yeah but like yeah. just uh just the whole idea that in this game you have you have armies where like it's a, it's a skirmish game and you and you have armies where someone brings a trebuchet and then snipes with these gigantic rocks into <laughs> into like almost almost headshots with these with these massive rocks yeah and, and it's as likely to hit as any trained archer is <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I don't um... know why siege engines aren't just for narrative play, honestly. Yeah. Like, that's kind of where they, they belong, they right? Sh- they should just be allowed in sieges and nothing else. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a problem seeing them on the battlefield. I guess they're fun. Um, I don't think they've quite captured what they want to capture yet. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I really think that the answer may be to A, make them cheaper, slightly cheaper, and make them fire every other turn. Mm-hmm. Um, because there there is no way that the siege engine is firing as fast as, like, my elven bowman over here. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> that That's a very trained crew right there. That is a very trained crew. Yeah, exactly. Um, you think it takes at least a little bit of time to lever that 12 foot long piece of steel uh, back onto the ballista and get it cranked down. But, you know, for me though, uh, casually that's fine. You're playing for fun. You usually don't have a time limit, but when it comes to competitive games, I just find siege engines make the game drag because there's so many rules. And by this point, there's so many FAQs and nobody really knows how they work. And then you know, always <laughs> yeah. arguing about the, the what- oh, who gets knocked down, who gets primary hit. And you spend more time arguing over the siege engine just mechanically than you do playing the game. And that just yeah. drives me nuts. So the the one thing that is reasonably clear is that you need to make sure that nobody's within two inches of anybody else, but at least one person is within three inches of all your heroes. And, you know, the amount of time that gets spent on that is, is not fun. Um, Yeah. You, you meticulously measure out every little micro movement and you're like, I hate myself right now. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, this is a product of how the siege engines in the game don't work the way real siege engines did because I mean, engines showed up on battlefields. It was a real thing. Um, it was, you know, they were used primarily for sieges, but there are plenty of accounts, even in the pre-gunpowder days of these things showing up in battlefields and being used to affect on battlefields. But the answer was not, okay, everybody spread out in a skirmish line. Right. Um, you know, the answer was we close quickly. (laughs) Um, generally the ones that you are seeing historically that weren't specifically for sieges were, Kind of like the Roman Scorpio, right? Which is a little bit like the Avenger bolt thrower or maybe even the little dwarf ballista. You weren't genuinely shooting trebuchets at blocks of troops, right? So it it did happen on rare occasions. Right. Um, and there's, there's a couple of historical examples of this. Um, one was uh, in Greece against uh, Alexander's father, Philip, where he um, lost a battle because... He basically charged a battle line that had a whole bunch of siege engines like up on cliffs behind him that were like firing over the heads of the troops. And they showed up in other battlefields mostly to to little effect. But I mean, I, I suspect that the the reason they were there, I mean, the reason they were there was basically to provoke an opponent into a charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's how they should be. Um, but yeah, they were they were they were not precision instruments. It's not like these things right. were like targeting the general, as they always seem to do here. But well, in my game, they did literally the opposite because if I charged in, everyone would die. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. when I got there, they would just shoot their own combats, and you know nobody yeah. Uh, yeah. is winning. So yeah, I mean the 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 problem with them historically was rate of fire. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's not reflected here. 
All right. Shall we shall we progress to scouring yes. the Shire? Is there I mean there and must the, be something here, but there is. Ah. During a turn, can Lotho Sackville Baggins use his considerable wealth special rule? Oh, when in during the turn can he use his considerable wealth special rule? And how long do the effects last for? Uh, answer the first bullet point says Lotho can use it when an enemy model declares a charge against him. And the other two can be used at any point in a turn. In all cases, the effects last until the end of the turn. I confess, I know this rule prevents you from being charged. I can't remember what else the considerable wealth rule does. Um, are, are any of you, I actually ran into both of those. Phil Baggins uh, is recently. he the one that, can he like boost fight or something? Or is that a different one? I think he boosts fight, but only for the evil ones. Trying to see if I've got scouring of the shower. shower. I, All right. I don't have my books here. I, so. I've got my book. Hang on. Scouring we'll get to the, the bottom shower. of this. So now Matt's going to shower to scour. <laughs> All right. Were you, were you talking about the scouring of one. the shower? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Page 51. I did a little scouring of my shower this weekend. Oh, by all means, had to, do share. Had to, had to clean up. <laughs> you mean you had a shower this weekend? <laughs> Did a good old little scrub on the walls. Scoured it real good. All right. So here are the bullet points for considerable wealth. Uh, first bullet point. When an enemy model declares a charge against him, Lotho may spend a will point to pay them off. Roll a d6. On a one or two, the model may charge Lotho as normal. On a three plus, the model, model stops one inch away from Lotho and may not charge. Uh, bullet point two, Lotho can spend a will point to pay off all friendly ruffian models within three inches. These models will automatically pass the next courage test they have to make. Mm. Number Bullet point three, Lotho can spend a will point to pay off all friendly hobbit models within three inches. These models add plus one to their fight value until the end of the turn. So we so, kind of, we piecemealed it. Uh, just we, Nobody knew every part of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so Two and three can be uh, at any point, whenever he wants to. First bullet point, when a charge is declared against him. So, there you go. Let's see. No based, no evil errata lurking here. Based on the reading of the rule as you read it, that seemed pretty clear to me anyway, but I guess somebody was... Well, the middle one was uh, less than clear when you needed yeah. to declare the courage. Hmm. Um, Let's see. Matched play guide. I think there was something in here, if I recall. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, question. Mm. If when a siege engine lands a hit, there would also deal a hit to other models within certain range of the initially hit models, such as the area effect rule of a Gondor Battlecry Trebuchet, do these additional hits also gain the plus one to wound in a Clash by Moonlight scenario? Answer, no. All right. Uh, I'm not sure I really care either way on that. But uh, In a double scenario, when the scenario says it continues until one force is reduced to 25% of its starting numbers, does this mean one player's force or the entire doubles army? Answer, the entire doubles army. Uh, that actually, I'm glad, got, got uh, clarified because that was far from clear. Uh, okay. Unless yeah, that that's doubles actually, that's armies a red alliance, right? But... 
Yeah, because that's actually quite a major one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is how it was generally ruled and played, but I, I think mm. it was, it was, as I said, far from queer. Yeah. Gondor at War. Let's see what lurks in there. Answer. In the Black Gate opens Legendary Legion. Do supporting models get the plus one bonus to wound for the Hordes of Mordor special rule? Answer, no. So that's yeah. that's a parallel to the um, mm-hmm. uh, Assault on Lothlore and special rule. That's all. Armies of the Hobbit. Oh, this has a big one in it, too. It does. Yeah. Uh, and here it is. When an opponent selects one of their hero models to be the bearer of a large sum of gold, as per the Master of Lake Town's Dragon Sickness special rule, do they have to tell the Master's controlling player which hero they have selected? Answer, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, nothing else here. Move on. Yeah. That actually is an interesting... You know, I'm wondering what the theory was on no, because if the Master like didn't know who had the gold, how would he... Mm-hmm. <laughs> how could you bribe him with it yeah. he just knows some like cyber criminal embezzled money from him <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know right. which one uh let's see um question when bjorn or grim bjorn uses his crushing strength brutal power attack if the target saves a wound with fate does this stop bjorn from rolling again for another strength 10 hit answer no bjorn or grim bjorn will continue to inflict strength 10 hits until he fails a two wound roll mm-hmm I think that was how it was generally played. And then, thence to the errata, page 45, Master of Lake Town, had the following special rule. Who would have the nerve to question my authority? Passive. The Master of Lake Town trusts no one and doesn't take kindly to others undermining his role. If your army contains the Master of Lake Town, then he must be your leader, regardless of the heroic tier of the other hero models in your army, unless your army includes another hero with a similar rule. Additionally, if you're including an army of Lake Town allied contingent as part of a convenient alliance or impossible alliance, then the master counts as a hero of fortitude, both when building your army during the course of the game. So this has a practical effect. The practical effect is somewhat bizarre if you have to rationalize it, but we understand why they did it. Um, The practical effect is that uh, you can no longer by 300 points of Lake Town, have you know 35 or 40 guys, and then throw in whichever uh, um, high point heroes, high point good heroes you want to uh, actually play the game and win for you. No yeah. more, yeah, which was the most common with Glorfindel, yeah. Well, and, and, there's and a whole bunch, bunch of these. Yeah, yeah. Glorfindel, Eagles, yeah. Uh, Saruman, and Galadriel. Um, possibilities were endless. But so I wonder anymore. if you were to include Denethor in this in this alliance, would which one would be your your leader? It would have to be Denethor, correct? I think it has to be Denethor yeah. because there's the subclause of yeah. unless your unless army your includes army another one, yeah. and he's yeah. the only other one to my knowledge that <laughs> yeah. has that clause. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a meme waiting to happen, though, right? With like the master and Denethor looking yeah. at each other. But yeah, I, I mean, I just love the name here. Who would have the nerve to question my authority? <laughs> uh, Aragorn, King of Lesser, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Gilgalad, High King of the Elves. <laughs> so, in a in a pure Lake Town army, um, does this really make much of a difference? Were people always making Bard their leader? Um, I, I think yes, people were, uh-huh. 
Um, but I mean, base, it basically, make sense to make mastery leader. No, it makes no tactical sense to make. You know, it does leader. because 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 then you can just send off bards, get him right. killed, and you don't care. Oh, right. he well, can kind okay. of hide, right? Yeah. On the other hand, um, somebody else could chop through the lake town and hand your leader <laughs> a bag of gold, and he's gone. And then you would <laughs> yeah. run away with the monster. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, at least now you can see it coming because you know yeah, who has right. the gold. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Who is the, who is this enormous bird carrying a bag of gold and it's in its talons? It's, it's a giant bird with like a Mister <laughs> T necklace or with a yeah. clock on it. Just dropping it like in a para dropping gold on the master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like fine. I'm out of here. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. So I mean, does this? I think this kind of kills the Lake Town battery for big hero build, right? Because you're probably not yeah. taking Bard. Yeah. Um, and if you are, you're just gonna say, "Screw it! I'll play pure Lake Town or yeah. Green Alliance," right? Yeah, that meta is dead. Um, and. Uh, not, I'm not unhappy about that either, to be honest. That was pretty well. I mean, the only reason I'm unhappy about it is because I was starting to convince myself that that was almost like the only competitive good build. There have been a couple other competitive builds. So now there are no competitive good builds. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, there's a couple, but they're they're kind of edge cases. Um, I, I think the most competitive good build is Easterlings. You just have to, you know, shift your perspective. You just have to paint them differently. You have to paint you have them to, in cheerier colors. You just have to see it from Sauron's viewpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. So Well, right, that's so, that's three major um meta-killing armies dead. That is yeah. that is quite the red wedding already. Yeah, all right. Uh RSVP um Army of Light Town. Um all right, so let's go to the rules. Do the you rules. mean RIP? No, I'm pretty sure it's RSVP. I'm pretty sure it's RSVP. Um, there are some people, there are a few people, few listeners out there who will get that reference. But, um, all right, if if a model making, all right, so we're in the rules now. If a model making a dual role would have a modifier applied to their role and they choose to re-roll due to the effect of a banner, special rule or some other effect, does this modifier also apply to the re-roll? Answer, yes. Um, pretty sure that was always the case. Pretty sure. Yeah, I'm trying to find a situation. I, I've, I've in never my heard mind. this question asked yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but okay. Now it's been clarified. Uh, question If a hero has declared a heroic defense and would normally be wounded on a 6 4 plus, uh, then do both roles now have to be a natural 6 as per the rules of heroic defense? Answer yes. This is not how I played it. But also, this is yeah, this is actually opposite of what the rule book says. I think. In- well, that may have something to do with why it was not how I played it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, I remember saying that you know if it was a six four, you couldn't use might to to adjust the die roll because it still had to be natural, but you still got the six four. But no longer six fours become six sixes. Yeah. A little more value to an already very valuable heroic action. Um, and uh, yeah, Mick, tell us if if this is another one of those errata mas- masquerading as an FAQ. Um, can I? Mo- All right, next question. Yeah, so so, so that's the thing. Like yeah. here, here the the rule book actually specifically says if the hero would usually have been wounded on a six four, six five, or six six, then they will only be wounded if both rolls are natural. 
so so essentially this errata well this this faq just changes uh, a 64 yeah. into a 66 it's a it's an errata and faq clothing okay so enough. i i imagine that the intention was that it was meant to say 66 but it's not what it actually was saying and then they're just clarifying yeah. that i guess yeah maybe well i mean it was a it was a pretty long sentence in the heroic defense clarifying for six four six five and six six and it just says yeah. it has to be natural rules yeah i agree with your reading mick there's there's no way to square that that yeah. rules thing with with this faq um but that's hardly the first time it happened um you know reference uh being able to black dart a horse and the rider not being able to resist which is also <laughs> specifically the opposite of what it says in the rules about how it's supposed to work uh, sometimes just, <laughs> it goes like that i just, yeah. just recent recently had a tournament game where witch king actually managed to dismount all three of my rohan heroes in like over, <laughs> over three turns ah <laughs> uh, yes so well it's a good thing that rohan heroes are just as good on foot right yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> the black breath notoriously deadly to horses yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, next question. Can a monster that has been immobilized, transfixed, still use brutal, brutal power attacks? Answer, no. Boy, mm -hmm. I, I'm curious why that needed to be clarified. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, if a hero with a two-handed weapon rolls a six in their dual roll, which of them suffers a minus, which then suffers a minus one penalty due to the rules for two-handed weapons? And the user might point to boost the rolls back up to a six. Answer yes. The roll has essentially been changed from a six to a five. And so the might point can be used to boost it back up to a six. Always played it that way. Mm. Don't heard of it being played any different. I um, mean, I don't like it, but I certainly knew that that was the case. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did come across a few people who, who didn't play it that way. Hmm. Um, I mean, I guess the theory would be if the hero was dumb enough to take a two-handed weapon in the first place that... Uh, uh, he wouldn't be smart enough to think of using a point of might to raise his five to a six, but um, I guess, but yeah, that argument failed. I guess he is smart enough to do that. Uh, does a piercing strike special strike increase the model strength for the purposes of special rules such as monstrous charge? Answer no. Piercing strike only increases the model strength for the purpose of making strikes. Um, this is not how I played it because if my, I, and I remember having to look this up at one point, um, and I can't remember. I can't remember where. Oh, I know what it was. Well, her, her strength changes it for, for her. Her strength does. Yeah. So, where this came into effect was your eagle with an axe? No, it was a chariot. <laughs> it was a chariot monstrous charging another cavalry mm -hmm. um, because, in order to get the. Uh, oh. There was, yeah, there, there was something in the strength interaction. I'm going to have to look at this because it was the the chariot, and I think the the I think it was a ring wraith. It was charging, um, had equal strength, um, and uh, and then I couldn't knock it down unless I pierced. So I pierced. Yeah, because that's that's the monstrous monstrous charge special rule, right? Can... So chariots don't have just normal charge, normal coverage charge. They have they have monstrous charge. And well, it that, I mean, you need they, to be they knocked strength. down. 
Yeah, they knocked down foot, but I think they knocked down cavalry of of lesser strength. Is that what the rule says for monstrous chargement? Yeah, so this one will knock, knock to the ground any model that it charges or subsequently charge it, including cavalry or monster models with a lower strength value. With a lower strength value. So that was after, the problem. After modifiers. Right? Yeah, so I had charged um, I had charged a, a hero chariot with strength four into yeah. a ring wraith with strength four. And after quickly running the math, realized I had to pierce in order to knock him down. But I guess I can't do that anymore because it only increases the model's strength for the purposes of making strength. Yeah, so essentially... Excuse me for just a second, guys. I'll be right back. So yep. essentially a chariot with strength three still gets the charge bonus of plus, plus one uh, attack against cavalry. Right. But then if the cavalry is also strength three or four, you don't knock them over. Right. Um, so what that means is that the hero chariots don't knock over... Um, heroes. Mounted heroes. Yeah. You know. And normal um, chariots basically don't knock over any cavalry. Right. Correct. Um, which was a bit of an oddity that I thought I had solved by piercing, but I guess I was cheating. Yeah. Oops, in fact, in fact, like your your hero chariots wouldn't even knock knock over a wide rider. Correct. That's weird. Actually correct. I, yeah. I sort of always thought that if you were a chariot, you would just knock over cavalry. Yeah, I thought that too, and then I I I took Khan to a tournament and like read the rules and was like, "Oops." <laughs> I think I think that may have been in the previous rules though. They just yeah. they just knocked everybody over. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, in a scenario where you deploy your army in a corner, such as divide and conquer or storm the camp, which table edge counts as the player's board edge for the purposes of deploying a siege edge? And answer: the player who decides their table edge first may choose any table edge touching their deployment zone as their table edge. However, in these scenarios, a siege engine must still be deployed in your deployment zone as normal. So I think this this really matters for um, siege the camp, uh, um, uh, storm the camp. Um, yeah, and this other one, divide and conquer? Yeah, divide and conquer. So you, ba uh, you basically end up setting your siege engine up somewhere within your own deployment. Yeah, zone. but also really if, you, boils down if you have multiple siege engines in divide and conquer, all of them have to be in the same corner. Is that true? Because they're different warbands. Wouldn't you have to alternate deploying them? Yeah, but according to this, all of them have to be uh, within six inches of the same table edge. And and you deploy in opposite corners. It's like two of your armies are in opposite so, corners. Two of your opponent's armies in, are in opposing corners. Yeah, so I guess multiple siege engines can't deploy and divide and conquer. Um, I don't... I don't think they thought that through. Um, I mean, it does say you can choose any table edge touching your deployment area as their table edge. Does that mean you can do more than one? Well, no, no, it has to, no, it has to be your edge in the same way that in Maelstrom scenarios, you only pick one edge. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so in that so, case... Your siege engines have to be within six inches of that of that edge, uh, whilst, so whilst, you, whilst also being in in one of your corners. Yeah. So you know what you need to do actually is you need to um, uh, you need to deploy a siege engine, deploy a different warband on the other side, and then deploy yeah. your next siege engine back there. Oh, and which then, could then, really yeah. which could yes. really screw uh, assault on Helm's Deep, couldn't it? 
Yeah, because then you well, have, you have three warbands, and <laughs> you end up with your three siege engines in one side, and your, all of your Urukai on the other side. That's right. <laughs> and your opponent cackling with glee. <laughs> well, I guess that serves you right if you're going to take um, uh, Assault on Helm's Deep. Yeah, because then you always have to alternate, right? And yeah, you always all have to of, and, and all of your engines have to be in the same corner. So, yeah, you have no other right. choice. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, question. When a demolition charge explodes, does it hit models that are in range but on the other side of a piece of tall, impassable terrain, such as a wall, rock face, or equivalent? Answer, no. Because as we know from the movies, the demolition charges had absolutely no effect on walls. Uh, I'm not sure I buy that, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, that was because the demolition charge was put in a hole under the wall. If, yeah. if it was just on the other side of a big wall. So nothing happens, right? So my problem with this is the the subjective term tall impassable terrain, <laughs> um, which I'm sure is going to end up being like, you know, this the the wall of like this waddle and daub cottage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's gonna turn out to be lined with Kevlar rather than mud. Yes. <laughs> um but uh all right we'll we'll let people fight over that i guess it's yeah I, I i guess if you're taking demolition charges you're you're coming to the nuisance of that particular argument so all right errata oh, um, here's a here's a big one too page 39 in the way add the following paragraph to the end of the section when a model makes a shooting attack that targets a war beast or a monster with the fly special rule when they uh when they are determining models that are in the way ignore they ignore models, both friendly and enemy, that do not have the following keywords, monster, siege engine, or war beast. If a target model is engaged in a fight, then the in-the-way test for being in combat is still applied. Interesting. So all Gula, of a sudden, Gulavar's not going to be able to hide. Yeah, Gulavar, all of a sudden, it has like a bright red dot on his forehead. Um, yeah, not good for Gulavar. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, targets a war beast or a monster with the fly special rule. Um, well, but this this answers the the issue that people have had for the last twenty years, where you would you would have the old fail beast model, and people would go, "Oh, can you can I shoot at it?" Yes, yeah. because of the way it was positioned. It was positioned, or, or like you would have the new new fail beast model, and some people would just model it landed, because right. that because that gave you in the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm as guilty as that as of yeah. that as any as anyone else remodeling my fell beasts to um, to get the benefit of cover, and and it's still useful, by the way, because it means you can like get cover from you know behind walls, which I don't yeah. think this affects. This is just um, friendly and enemy um, figures, uh, so you know you can still hide behind that three quarter inch high wall. I guess you could, yeah. Um, but it's still better than nothing. Um, yeah. No more hiding. No more hiding Gulavar behind three ranks of troops and then using him to jump over the lines. Yeah, although it still doesn't answer the question. What about the the old metal ranges of Gondor, the ones that were kneeling? So remember, you were able to have like the the ones that were kneeling, where oh, front rank kneel and you yeah, can yeah, shoot so over. They were significantly lower. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that yeah, that's still there. Um, yeah. Or like you were able to to actually hide them behind a rock 
and and shoot from behind the rock but when you yeah. were able to be hit all right yeah i, I mean look there th- these are all questions inherent in the way they do line of sight yeah as a that is you know i view of an i i view of a very small inanimate object as opposed to just saying if you if you cross a friendly model it's in the way um yeah. which so this is an improvement in that because this basically is saying if you cross a friendly or enemy model against a certain type of troop it's not in the way i'm fine with that it's clean it's easy to apply yeah um uh but it certainly doesn't solve all the in the way problems um okay and we're done um battle companies which this is a competitive podcast so we're going to ignore it um quest of the ring bear i don't think there's anything in here yeah there's nothing nope. in here. and um yeah, there's nothing to follow the necromancer either. So, so that's it. Yes, major um, changes. Yeah, um, so major changes, uh, and I think um, I, I, I think given the time available and um, that Rob has uh, um, accidents. Yeah, Rob, Rob has exited stage left. Um, I yeah, think no, he's going to call he's, it at this point. He's scaring the shower at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Uh, something something crawled out of the shower when he tried to scour it. So I think we'll end it here. So Mick, it was great talking to you. Yes, and I... I will see you in about a week and a half, sir. That's right. Uh, in person, and we will be doing some we'll be doing some live podcasts from Articon uh, because I think everyone is going to be there um so we will i think for the first time ever all of us will be in a room i think so yeah and also if uh if you see any of us come and say hi love to chat we would love to chat we always enjoy talking to listeners and yeah. uh please please tell us all the things that we've screwed up and done wrong because <laughs> um, we love hearing about that <laughs> so all right so sorry no list review this time um i thought we we're gonna have time for it but we ended up talking with uh, i think i think this thought. is like the first episode in like 120 episodes without without a list review without a list review all right so maybe we'll oh. do well well no that's not true because i don't think we did list reviews during the Articon episodes last year either oh that's true yeah so yeah i think we're we're gonna have to go on a list review hiatus for a couple of weeks till um we get back after Articon and we'll go from there all right cool bye everybody bye everybody